feel addicted to their devices. Hi, I'm Taino Benz and I'm on a mission to get you to stop right there and consider for a second how you are using digital technology and if any part of your tech use could be improved. I want to support you to find tech life balance and to thrive in today's complex world using technology while maintaining well-being, health and relationships. Welcome to Tech Life Balance. In today's episode, we're going to let the genie out of the bottle, but not any genie, the screen time genie. Today's interview is with Stephen Michael Crane, who's a research scholar and consultant based at Stanford University. He researches, designs and teaches across a variety of fields and has increasingly focused on studying human behavior, especially screen time, and also social connectedness, public health and human flourishing, and been a part of designing the screen time genie. Very welcome listeners to the Tech Life Balance podcast. And today I'm joined by Stephen Crane in, um, you have to remind me where, where exactly you are. I'm in uh, Los Gatos, California. Los Gatos, California. Bay area. Yes. I would have, I would have, I would have taken California, but not, not the town. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Got the introduction um, from another um, podcast um, guest, Emma from the Log Off Movement. And I've been reading about, you know, some of the work that you do and so on, which, which I'm, I'm really keen on sharing with the listeners. But, but my first question will, will be to you. So the, the podcast is called Tech Life Balance, and, and it's around, you know, helping people to find that, that balance. Um, how is your tech life balance at the moment? And I know you said you work from home and so on. How do you, how do you balance tech with? Yes, yes. I've, I've certainly had my issues over the years, you know, from video games as a teenager to making my way through university trying to study but also being tempted by the distractions of various you know fun websites news youtube etc um so i've had my share of challenges of maintaining my balance uh in terms of technology these days i'm happy to say that i i do feel pretty well-balanced. And for me, being well-balanced means that at the end of the day, at the end of the week, there's very little time where I feel I regret that I spent that time on a certain site or on a device or something like that. I think uh, the larger balance of life as far as how much time spent, you know, being busy, being obligated to things, having a, a lot of work, you know, that's probably something I still need to work on. But for me, at least, it's not so much the technology part that is uh, throwing that part out of balance. It's more just my, uh, you know, over eagerness to be involved with too many things. Um, so I'm still working on uh, keeping life balanced in that bigger picture sense so that I have enough time for all the other areas that are important besides uh, commitments and work. I, I hear you. I recognize myself in that. But so so do you do you work actively? You said you've had you know, challenges before as, as we've all had, but, but as we've all had, but now do you work actively when you get that? I don't know if you're drawn into social media or still video games. Do you have any, any active practices that you do or like what's, what's your personal tactics? 
Yes, yes, I do. Um, and we can talk more specifically about, you know, how listeners, if they want to implement this in their own life, but I do review my screen time report from, from Apple, from iOS each week and see, you know, how much time did I spend on these different things? You know, how much, uh, how many shows did I watch? You know, wherever I was that week, I like to at least take stock of it and note it. Um, and then see if I want to make some adjustment based on that. And for me, it's really about that regret principle. When I look at that and I see like, oh, you know, like two and a half hours on Netflix or something like that. It's like, was that, was I'm glad, was I happy that I did that? Was that the right thing to do? Or do I regret having spent that time there? Um, and when I do, when I do feel that I have some regret, then I do, you know, each time set some sort of new intentions and try to put some new structures in place for the week ahead so that that pattern doesn't arise again. Um, and I don't have that same regret next time I look at it. Cool. Yeah, let's 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 get into that a bit a bit later. But but now you mentioned and I and I've read, you know, this word, how you use that, which I think is really interesting and something that I haven't really seen that that obviously stated before, which is regretted screen time, which I think yeah. is a it's such an obvious, I straight away, you know, yeah, I've got some regretted screen time. And I think, yeah. you know, everyone understands it straight away. So do you, do you want to, do you mind talking a bit how, how you define regretted screen time? Or like when you talk about this, how, what is regretted screen time? Yeah, sure. I, I think it's, you know, it, at least initially in the sort of earlier conversations on screen time and is it bad is it good you know it was a little too coarse like there's no in from my perspective there's no absolutely like good or bad use of technology of screen time you know people can be using their computers their phones um, in ways that are you know supporting of their life of their livelihood of their well-being there's you know apps that will help you exercise and meditate and be a better friend that's an app i just <laughs> recently put out called sunny um, about friendship and social connectedness. Um, so I think there's a lot of really positive uses of technology and screen time. And there are also negative uses. Uh, and those, and it, I think you really have to go to the individual level of how you feel about your life, your direction, your goals, and which activities that you do on screens further those goals and which mm -hmm. ones take away from them. And for me, I, I think that principle of regret is the easiest one that everybody sort of understands. They understand regretted screen time as the, the metric to determine whether what you're doing is helpful or not. Um, and it may take some maturity to develop that sense, like a, a, a young child or a teenager or something might be so enthralled by what they're doing on screens, even if they're doing it eight, nine, 10 hours a day, um, they, may, they may still not have regret that they did that. They may still feel perfectly happy um, to have done that. And they may not have the perspective and uh, sort of wisdom to see that it might not be the best big picture use of their life energy. Um, so it's something that does take a little bit of discernment, some maturity, some development, I think, to hone that skill. But I also think that for most people, most adults, uh, when they take a look at where their time has been spent and they look objectively maybe at the apps that will tell you how you're spending your time online or on your phone um they'll get a sense of like yeah you know i have other things that i want to be doing in my life and i can tell that a lot of my life is going into this app or into this activity and i wish it weren't mm. 
Yeah, I think thanks. Great, great, uh, great input and and thoughts. And I think it's really important that we raise the discussion, discussion from, from from just looking at screen time and, like you say, is it is it good? Is it bad? And rather look at you know. Some people might think, oh, you know, you talk about general life direction and, and goals and so on. What does that have to do with screen time? And mm -hmm. I think it's got a lot to do with it or any other activity where you feel like you spend too much time. And, and you know, thinking about where we all have 24 hours, it's the, you know, one of the few things we're all the same, 24 mm -hmm. hours in a day. And, and how do you spend that time? And, you know, do you, do you want to spend it on these devices, if you do, if that makes you happy, promotes your well-being, so on, good for you. If it if it doesn't, then you know, let's let's look at how we can change it. So, and and with that latter part, if if someone okay, I regretted screen time, I have regretted screen time. Um, if we bridge into one of the tools you've developed, I would love to hear more about the app, by the way, Sonny. Um, yeah. But but for before that, um, if we sort of look at screen the screen time genie. Yeah, sure. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about, you know, how that came to be and what yeah. we hope it does and how it works. Please. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so Screen Time Genie was the first technology that I was really closely involved in developing. In 2019, I uh, got a spot in a behavior design seminar taught by a professor at Stanford named BJ Fogg, um, who has since become a good friend and mentor and, and colleague, someone who I work with. And um, in that seminar with our class of 12 students, 14 students we had, um, we took on the challenge of screen time and we thought through a lot of different approaches, a lot of different designs and ideas of how do we help people use the skills of behavior change in their own lives and how do we design something uh, using good behavior change, behavior design principles that will help people get a handle on what I came to call regretted screen time. And so in the context of that class, we started by brainstorming a list of, we've got maybe 150, 170 different specific behaviors um, that can help people reduce their regretted screen time. And these span the whole gamut from, you know, apps and extensions you might, you know, add to your browser to uh, physical interventions in your daily life of where you charge your phone and when you leave it on down to the settings of your devices of, you know, what types of notifications do you allow through? How do you use alarms and reminders, all these sorts of things. So there's a huge spectrum of, I think, behaviors that individual people can implement. And what we did with Screen Time Genie was we built a tool mm -hmm. that aimed to match you with a small set of behaviors that seem to be right for you in your context. So when uh, somebody comes to Screen Time Genie and tells us a little bit about the problems that they're having, you know, I want to work more on maybe family time, or I want to spend less time on YouTube or Facebook or some specific site, or I want to read less news, or I want to get control of my email, whatever the sort of common problems are that people have. And then we ask them, you know, what devices they're using, what platforms, what browsers, because that helps constrain the selection space of all the different solutions that are out there. And then they're presented with, uh, you know, six or so solutions at the end, and they can choose those um, and get them emailed to them sort of as a follow-up, as a reminder. And then we've also built on, uh, with some help from one of our interns, Eli, 
um, he uh, built a, an accountability coach that will even follow up with you further and help you take really specific actionable steps to implement that solution in your life. Uh, all the way down to writing out what your step-by-step -step, uh, actions would be and offering to remind you and send you a text message when you're in the right context at the right time where you want to implement that uh, to help you follow through on whatever intentions you set using Screen Time Genie. And so it's been a really wonderful project to work on. And uh, we do ask people a couple weeks after they've used Screen Time Genie to report back on how it's going, what's worked for them. And at least for the people who do report back to us, you know, that they used some of the solutions, that they tried something, um, they report saving on average 44 minutes a day um, of less regretted screen time. So wow. if you think about being, you know, 44 minutes of less regretted time in your day uh, and more intentional beneficial time in your day, I think that that's an impact that I'm really proud of. Um, even though, of course, it's you just self-report. It's people telling us, you know, what worked for them. So, you know, you can't. It's it's not a completely rigorous evaluation of screen yeah. time genie, but it's very encouraging, and I think people get a lot of benefit out of it on average. That that's that's amazing. I I'll have to be honest and say I've gone to the I've, I haven't done the whole thing, uh, yeah. so it's really <laughs> cool to hear you hear you speak to it. Uh, I've I've started and then and then haven't completed, but I, but I'll I'll do it as well. And, and, and what, I, what I love about it also is, you know, well, a number of things, but the individual approach, which is something that I feel that I'm aware of in my, for example, if I do a, a group workshop and I've got 20 people that I speak to, I know that, you know, saying turn your phone to grayscale or manage notifications or charge your phone outside the bedroom, it will work for some people, but some people might be more stressed, more you know, more anxious and so on by some of these things. So I think that individual approach is really, really valuable and and an understanding, you know, that there's no one size fits all. Um, you know, you and I both both have kids. We will probably want to be reachable quite a majority mm -hmm. part of the day for from yeah. whatever it is. But for someone else who who hasn't or, you know, ev everyone's different in that way. Um, and also what I, what I wanted you know, to talk a bit about is this habit change, because no matter how good advice you give, it, it doesn't help if people don't implement it or, you know, even turn it into a habit. So I think that accountability part is, is really, really interesting. And I've read some studies on, you know, on digital well-being and, and when people change and when, when they haven't improved their well-being is when they haven't been able to follow through. Mm -hmm. Um, so I so I think that that habit change is something that's that's really interesting. Do you do you have any any more data on you know age who who's the typical user or 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 sort of and any other fun facts or so about about the platform? Um, let's see. I haven't looked at our putting you on results. the spot. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I haven't looked at our results recently. I think. We have, yeah, pretty broad um, distribution of people who use it, like, you know, similar to your podcast, like people all over the world, you know, are, are finding it, um, which is really fun and interesting. Um, and I, we get emails sometimes from people in other languages, you know, they're using, you know, just their web browser translator on it and they, you know, write to us and, we, you know, I write back to them, you know, using translators and things like that about questions they have or problems they encountered or things like that. Um, so I, I do know that the geographic impact is pretty broad. Um, 
And, you know, it's just chugging along. We're, we're not actively developing it right now. We don't have, you know, engineers working on it or things like that. So there are many, many, many more things we would like to do with it. We'd like to change the order of the questions. We'd like to incorporate data in, you know, more specific ways to help tweak and refine the suggestions we make and all sorts of things like that. But, you know, we're, we're content to just have it be out there doing its work, you know, a few hundred people each week come through and try it out. And that's, mm. you know, great, you know, by us that it's doing that. Yeah, that, that's great. So do you, do you see yourself continuing working in this sort of field, if we want to call it that digital well-being or, or awareness? And, and what, what do you, do you have any, any plans or things for the future or, or mm. what's, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think I will be involved in technology for health and well-being in general. I have a deep and abiding interest in human flourishing as a uh, concept and how it's thought about, the sort of philosophy and psychology of it, how it's measured, um, and how we use it to guide our decisions as individuals or as organizations or as people uh, building products or services. Um, I think it's this underlying motivation we have to promote human flourishing and what that means to different people, um, I think is where it gets really interesting, um, having those discussions and helping us articulate what our vision of a good life is and what it means to be human and how to understand and respect our human nature. So I certainly see myself involved in something related to that, which is a lot of different things potentially, yeah. uh, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, I could talk about Sunny quickly if you want. Yeah, please. Be before before yeah. going into Sunny, though, just just yeah. reflecting on what you just said because I it really resonates with my own thinking about this and you know human flourishing and which is you know massive, but in this complex world, or I love the term VUCA you know volatile uncertain complex ambiguous um mm. and, and a lot of i see so many people you know struggling in one way or another and we we do live i i think you know not saying it was better in the you know good old days but it's it's more challenging to be alive now i think than in 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 certain ways we've got overall mm -hmm. more you know materialistic and and welfare in, in many parts of the world but still with with everything that's going on it's quite a complex world to be alive in and i think this what you said about human flourishing and technology globalization all these things sort of intertwine um so i think it's really interesting to you know hear you hear you talk about about that too yeah um and you know coming over to to sony which just from your very quick explanation, I think is one part of, of human flourishing and helping people, you know, in a more complex world where we've come out or are still in some aspects in the pandemic and isolation and so on. And, you know, building healthy relationships or good relationships, I think is probably more important now, now than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could I could speak to that a little bit from the research perspective as well. Um, the the group at Stanford that I did my uh, master's uh, thesis with called Well for Life, um, they actually went out and interviewed a, a purposefully diverse sample of a hundred people um, and asked them about times in their life where they had high well being and described times in their life where they had low well being. 
because they they wanted to devise a survey, a, a, a large instrument really to measure well-being, and they didn't want to sort of bias it or start with sort of the prior conceptions of well-being, but really start with what real people thought about that concept and what it meant to them and how they thought about their life through that lens of high or low well-being. And when people talked through these interviews and then, you know, we took their interviews and we coded them and we did a lot of qualitative qualitative data analysis and the themes that came through, you know, there, there are 10 different themes, but the one that people talked about the most was their social connection and their social well-being um, is really what people talk about the most when they think about times going really well and times going really poorly. It all has to do with our relationships. Um, is, isn't that supported by the Harvard happiness study as well, that long, longitudinal yes, massive one? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, the the Grant Harvard study of, you know, mm. it's been going on for decades and decades, you know, I think, I, I might get the quote wrong, but, you know, uh, they, I think, you know, one of the quotes that <laughs> the results of that study is that I think happiness is love, mm. full stop, you know, mm. it's, it's that love, that connection that we have with other people. Um, so, so I've known from, from my research at Stanford and, and a lot of other research from, you know, people who have dedicated their research careers to this across the world, um, that social connectedness is really, you know, if there's only one thing you're going to get right, you know, it's better to have friends and to be connected and to feel supported and to have people you can turn to in times of need, uh, people you can be vulnerable with and honest with. And, you know, that will get you more well-being in general than pretty much anything else uh, in your life. Um, you can uh, withstand being in a, in a, you know, unpleasant job, or you can have physical health problems, you can, you know, not have the best diet, etc. And, you know, all of those things pale in comparison to the importance of having good social connections. Um, so knowing that, uh, I started working a couple of years ago with a great group of people, a really wonderful team um, on an initiative called Sunny. And Sunny, we we did a lot of research and a lot of ideation and you know directed many different ways. But two years later, we finally, you know, came to a very specific offer, which is an app. And it's in the the US iOS app store right now. It's it's sort of limited in its distribution because it's just our first release and we need to, you know, do more releases and incorporate more things and get it out to more uh, broader audiences, but uh, it aims to be your uh, digital companion, your your guide to help you bring more social connection and kindness into your days. And our thinking on this was to take all of the scientific literature on social connection and what behaviors can help people have a greater sense of social connectedness, uh, less loneliness, and then use our best training and skills in behavior design to make those behaviors uh, very actionable and easy to do um, so that people can open Sunny, find something that they can do that's small, that's easy, that's approachable, and that gives them a feeling of connection and of success that you know, even little things like that can build up and really help people transform their lives. In fact, mm -hmm. that's one of the main ways that people do transform their lives is by starting with small little steps mm -hmm. that build over time and you start to change how you feel about yourself and your capabilities and uh, and all the aspects related to how you relate to other people and how you connect with people. And so that's what we've put together with Sunny. Um, and we have a website called gosunny.org and that one anybody can access. And there's a lot of content that we've put together there on 
uh, importance of social connection and uh, behaviors that foster it and actions. And um, there's a lot of good content there in addition to on the app. And so that's our latest thing. And, and it's free for anybody to use. We don't run ads or sell data or anything like that. So it's mm. uh, really a, a purely positive thing. I feel really good about putting out into the world. I love it. That's and and also the final point about not not monetizing it. I really I really respect that. You know. Yeah. Um. And sounds sounds really cool. I'll have to go and check that out. Yeah. Um. So so sort of and I'll I'll include those links as well in in sort of the the pod uh, text and so on. Um, yes. Sort of wrapping up a bit and and as you are, if I can call you a behavior expert, um, and you know you've got the social social side of it we've got the technology side of it sometimes they go together a lot um can i please ask you to if you if you can give your top three or maybe not top three but three small behavior changes that you would suggest for people who are interested in you know trying on some of the things that you've you know whether social or, or technological sure yeah i i think for on the screen time front um the ones that I think have maybe the biggest bang for the buck that take very little in terms of time and investment, but can drastically change uh, the the patterns of how you use devices and get sucked into things that you don't want to get sucked into are uh, just website uh, extensions or sorry, ex browser extensions that will block different aspects of certain websites that mm allow that website to be accessed and you don't feel like you're totally cut off, which might be too high a bar for a lot of people to engage in, but which blocks, say, the newsfeed on Facebook or the, the homepage and the recommended videos on YouTube. So you can still go to Facebook and find somebody and send a message and check on them or whatever. You could still post to your wall, but you're not sucked into the endless feed. And similarly with YouTube, you know, they have the same dynamics of you know, just this endless algorithmically curated feed of the next video, the next thing, you see all the titles, all the thumbnails, th thumbnails. you can remove all of that with uh, uh, distraction-free YouTube is one of the blockers um, and newsfeed eradicator. Is yeah, another that's one. the one I use. Yeah, you know, they're, they're great. I think, mm. you know, if you're gonna, if you feel like you're spending too much time on those sites, you know, just try that out for a week, see mm. what it feels like. Um, and I, I've basically never gone back. I've never felt the need to, to unblock those features of those sites because uh, they, they do very good things for me. Um, so that's one of my top recommendations on the, on the screen time front. Um, let me think, let me think if I have like a top recommendation on the other fronts. You know, I'll just say something that works well for me and I don't know if it'll work the best for everybody, but I have, I'm very, sort of disciplined about my to-do list. And so I, you know, put things on it and it schedules them for me. And, you know, I put things out months and months on my list so that they come up on the right day. And I just put reminders in there to connect with certain people. If there's people in my life who I want to stay close with, to have a periodic check-in with, um, you know, I just have that reminder pop up every, you know, maybe this is a sort of every month person or an every six month sort of person, just enough to Feel like you know you're connected um and that's a very easy behavior right if you have a calendar if you have a reminder system um just you know think about the top five people in your life who you don't connect with as often as you want to and just set yourself a reminder to connect with them and maybe that reminder comes up and you don't have to act on it or maybe it's just to send them a few nice text messages it doesn't have to be a huge 
burden, you know, if you're, if you're too busy or if they're too busy or, you know, whatever gets in the way, that's okay. But just having that reminder there, setting that intention, I think helps people um, really keep up with their relationships in a much more intentional way than uh, they otherwise would. Such good advice. The, the first one I do, I do already, the, the browser um, yeah. extension, but the second one, I feel, as I think a lot of people do, you know, guilt or, or ashamed that I don't keep in touch as often as I would want to or something. And I'm pretty yeah. good at using reminders for two tasks and so on, but using it for social connections, I think is a really, a really good point. And, and I'll definitely try it anyway. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, the, the reason we built Screen Time Genie and Sunny was to take hundreds of ideas of what you could do, what you mm. could implement in your life, make it as easy to do as possible, make it very clear, step-by-step -step instructions, give you examples and templates, et cetera. So that way, you know, that's this very simple behavior. Just, you know, check out Sunny or check out Screen Time Genie, go through the flow, and then you'll be matched with, you know, behaviors that are very specifically attuned to you and what your specific goals are. So mm. those are kind of broad umbrella categories of things that people can do. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, Stephen, it's been great, uh, you know, having this chat and hearing your thoughts on human flourishing, both social side, technological side, and, and giving this advice and really encourage people to go and, and check out your work. And I look forward to, to seeing what you come up with uh, in the future as well. So thanks a lot for uh, coming on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you, Taino. Thank you for your work, for your initiative on this front, and for you know continuing to put out important information that hopes, hopefully helps people take meaningful action in their lives to incorporate more human flourishing into their day-to-day -day lives. Thanks. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this unique perspective on screen time and tech life balance. And I really recommend you to try out the Screen Time Genie and see what it can do for you. To do so, head to screentime.stanford.edu. Stephen also has his app, which you can find at gosunny.org. I'll put these links in the description as well. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, feel free to get in touch with any questions, topic suggestions, guests, reflections, anything at tainobenz.com. Have a great day and see you again soon.